Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And this is a short holiday stack you know, for you. We, it's time to relax, kick back, and only review a third to a half of the usual stack of <laughs> comics that we do. Yeah, we're going to review some eggnog. We're going to review Christmas trees. We're going to review Santa Claus. And then we're going to wrap it all up by reviewing Hanukkah. That <laughs> yeah, it's all been building to our Hanukkah review. <laughs> uh, no, we we only have a couple of titles. Uh, we're going to be talking about the stuff that came out on December twenty sixth. I want to say it, it was weird. I saw a bunch of stuff saying that it was coming out December twenty fifth, which seemed wrong. But I think actually, yeah. new comics came out on Thursday. It's a little bit of a catch up day. It's strange, too, because we have two Wednesdays in a row that are Christmas and then New Year's. But I do think titles are actually coming out on New Year's, so we'll try to do something on time for that as well. But uh, yeah. let's get into it. There were still some big issues that came out. Uh, first one I want to kick it off with is East of West, number 45, yeah. the final issue of Jonathan Ekman and Nick Dragota's epic tale of what happens when the uh, Civil War goes a little bit differently. And magic. And, also and, magic. Yeah, and also magic, but that's pretty much it. I mean, I, that's that's really all you need to know to jump right into the series. Super easy. You could jump in here in the last issue and know everything that's going on. <laughs> Understand which of the white-bearded characters that look alike are the certain guys that are important for the story. I'll tell you what, I've read uh, the previous 44 issues, and I also definitely knew what was going on in this last issue. Yes, definitely. But I, I will say, I mean, this is a, a, we talk about Jonathan Hickman a lot, especially with all of his X-Men stuff, about how dense of a writer he is, and how when it seems like he's like, finally, like, here's the premise, then he'll do an issue where it's like, oh my god, there's a secret island that's been having sex <laughs> with Krakoa all this time. It always zags into a more a deeper place when it comes to storytelling. And this series is a huge example of that. Uh, the, on the surface, it's this sort of like cowboy take on um, America, the different cultures of America and how it would be sort of mashed up differently if the Civil War was different. Like you said, um, there was some old magic in the land, a lot of high technology from a different part of the 
country. It's been one of my favorite series, especially because of Nick Dragota's art. Just mm-hmm. stunning art top to bottom. Yeah, it's... I was being a little glib about it, but it is... How dare you? I'm very sorry. Because it went off in all sorts of insane directions, played with the premise a lot. It, Like you said, it's come down to... There's all these different, you want to call them districts, nation states, whatever you want to call them, that are different parts of America and this revised world have been warring. But in the background, the real story has been about death, literal death, uh, trying to reconnect with his son and his wife and bring his family back together while everything else that's happening in the world is trying to bring on the apocalypse thanks to the other three riders of uh, th- other three horsemen, uh, war, pestilence, and famine. Uh, mm. And I love this last issue. For all the complexity of what's got out of the series, they have honed it down to the important characters. There is a little bit of pickup, I think, with the human characters that happens at the beginning, which is beautifully drawn by Dragota, but I wasn't as interested in as what happens in the rest of the issue, which is Death's final showdown with everybody. We get uh, his, uh, his son, Babylon, has been wandering through the wasteland with this virtual reality simulator called Balloon hanging off of him that was ostensibly trying to train him to bring about the apocalypse. But as ultimately it has changed, Babylon has changed, death has changed, death's wife has changed. All of these characters have changed in very epic ways. And even though it is this huge story, ultimately Hickman and Dragota bring it down to very small, very personal, even with some big monster fights going out in the middle there, it ends very quietly and sweetly in a very yeah. romantic and beautiful way, which I loved. It's all about love, baby. Yeah. Forget yeah, no, about death. Death is love, death. man. Focus on love. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, it, it just it landed so nicely. The And all of his, in this this title, like all, so much of his detail work is just great. Like Babylon has spent such an interesting character watching his journey. And you're sort of like stressed out about when his Oculus rift is going to come off. <laughs> right. And uh, it comes off, uh, this is a spoiler here, but it comes off in the grossest way possible. Super yes. disgusting, but yeah. it's, it's a phenomenally emotionally driven moment when it does happen. I would say now that we are done with the series, all 45 issues are done. If you did miss this, this is definitely one you want to go back and pick up and read through. It's going to work, I think, frankly, so much better reading it not month to month because I don't, it wasn't even published month to month. Like there were such yeah. long breaks and it's such a deep dive. It's hard to keep track of. I feel like we've been reading this comic our entire lives. Yes, pretty much. It's such a big, sto- epic story, and it is, it's been going on for so long, even though it's just 45 issues, that I truly feel like, oh, yeah, like, wow. When I was young and East of West was in its <laughs> teens, we, uh, we've grown so much. Yeah, I started out reading it when I was 14, now I'm 19. Yeah. Let's... Move on to another big you comic. Look this- like, you look like you're ready for college. Sophomore Thanks. year is going to be I'm great excited. I, I think I'm going to get into one of the state schools. We'll see what happens. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Moving on from the end of something to the beginning of something, this is the kickoff of Marvel's next big event, Incoming number one. This actually picks up from Marvel Comics 1000 and Marvel Comics 1001 that reintroduced a bunch of very old 
ideas back into the Marvel Universe. One of them, maybe I'm getting the name wrong, the Infinity Mask. Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, the the Masked Raider, I think, is his name. Yeah, the Masked Raider. The and e- ha- Eternity Mask, I believe. Eternity Mask, yes, thank you. Uh, the Eternity Mask, which essentially turns him into, like, Taskmaster. He gains the powers of anybody who is near him, so he is their equal in terms of strength and ability. Uh, there's also a group called the Three X's, which, as they cheekily talk about in this issue, is kind of like the Illuminati, but with off-brand characters. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, Uh, There's a new threat hitting the Marvel Universe. This starts off with a locked room door, locked door, locked room murder mystery, and it expands outwards into something that's going to be a big threat to the Marvel Universe coming forward. This is another one like Marvel Comics 1000 and Marvel Comics 1001. This is a artist and writer jam where the story keeps going, but it picks up with new writers and new artists every couple of pages or so. What do you think about this one, Justin? Well, I'll tell you, the it's nice to just check in on Marvel continuity across the board. Like, I thought it was cool. It was really well done. Every uh, couple pages dovetailed so nicely with the next storyline. And it doesn't even read like it's, you know, 20 different authors and 20 different uh, artists on it. It it flows really nicely. Um, And it was just nice. It's like watching the news. Yeah. I don't love this. I think it's because I've read three of these by this point. And my qualm with this issue, which is the same that uh, was my issue with uh, Marvel Comics 1000 and 1001 is I love the idea of having multiple writers and artists jam on a story, but there's a point when it does just become like checking in on the news and there's things that happen that don't dovetail as cleanly. And it's more like, oh, yeah, this is uh, the teen heroes this is kind of going on with them. Don't worry about it too much. It doesn't connect with the main action. Or over here, here's this other character. and They're doing this thing. Check out their title coming out soon. But if it was more focused when it is everybody picking up on different bits of this mystery, as it does in the beginning of the book and the end of the book, I like that. But the middle felt a little soft in terms of the story to me. Yeah, I agree with that, because the like the Spider-Man stuff, the the, the Mr. Sinister X-Men stuff felt like a totally different yes. <laughs> like uh, departure thing. Uh, but yeah, when it, the beginning, it felt like all these characters were necessary to get to the next stage of solving this mystery. So that was cool. Yes. Uh, what do you think of the reveal of the sort of next villain at the end? I don't like that at all. I think that was the thing that soured me quite a bit as well. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be some twists and turns, but spoiler warning, three, two, one here. The villain is Hulkling. Uh, Hulkling is, correct me if I'm wrong, but Hulkling is half Kree, half Skrull, and he's always rejected his heritage. He's lived on Earth. He's been in love with Wiccan from the Young Avengers. They've had a very sweet, really wonderful romance, but a lot of his arc was about rejecting that. And by the end of the issue, he has accepted his destiny and is leading the combined Kree and Skrull to attack Earth. The thing lurking in the background is there's a third enemy that we don't know much about other than it's probably Warren Ellis because they're warning people about trees. Uh, But literally, like, one of the Skrull characters from the Kree Skull War storyline back in the day explodes into a tree. So the way that I think this story is going to go is Hulkling is attacking Earth. Third thing is going to come and everybody's going to have to team up in classic superhero fashion. But I really don't 
like the idea of taking one of the only positive portrayals of gay characters in comics and turning them into a villain. Yeah. Well, that's why I hope this story has a little bit more twist and turn to it because, uh, and Hulkling's such a nice, uh, such a interesting character with all this like deeper connection to the Marvel universe on top of being like what you're saying, one of the only like, uh, gay relationships that has been longstanding and, and positive. So like, yeah, it is a little, it's a little weird. And also I just like the Kree scroll stuff. I feel like, I don't know if it's like, Oh, we got to attack. People love the Kree. Or let's like I don't know. Do do, do, do people like this? I I don't ever. Scrolls are interesting because they shapeshift. That's fun. Right. But we I feel like we've done so much of that in the last decade at Marvel. It's like maybe give it a rest. It just uh, to me. And again, clearly there's twists coming. I'm interested to read what is it called Empire or something like that. Yeah. So based on the name, I would possibly throw out there that they win and take over the earth. Uh, so I think it, to me, it felt just calculated to be like, well, we've had a lot of storylines where uh, the char- the heroes have been fighting each other. And then we had a war of the realms. So we had the Thor thing. Now let's get the cosmic storyline because we haven't had the overarching cosmic storyline in a while. So it almost feels like spinning the wheel of crossovers and they just hit on cosmic at this point. So what are you going to do with cosmic? You do Kree scroll and they attack the earth. Um, So again, maybe we've just been reading comics too long. Like I said, since I was 14, I've been reading comics. Now I'm 19, feel a little older, a little wiser. And yeah. uh, uh, I want to see something new. Show, show wow. me something fresh. The classic freshman college idea. Like, you want to start over? You want to change your name from Alex to just Lex? Yeah. Get out there, Ooh. wear a hat. Oh, you're going to be a hat guy. <laughs> Nothing cooler than wearing a hat, bro. Oh, yeah. Regardless, uh, even with these criticisms, I think there are enough pages that are good in this issue. I really like the Daredevil Electra scene as well, which I think is the second one, um, yeah. which is very good. Uh, so if you are interested in finding out what's going on in the Marvel Universe, this is a good primer in everything that's happening or about to happen, uh, even with the caveats we put out there. It does feel like the new warriors are coming back, which I'm very into. The talk in this issue about Night Thrasher, which yeah. I think the uh, the script on him is... He is so utterly secure in his abilities that he uses a skateboard as a weapon, and it works. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it's so funny to take that so seriously. Um, so I, I, the New Warrior side of it, down for it. I'm here nice. for it. Let's move on talk about another Marvel comic book that came out this past Wednesday uh, that I really liked a lot, and I was very surprised about. Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme, number one. The idea here is that towards the end of Mark Wade's last run on the book, which just ended, and now they're rebooting the yeah. book, Doctor Strange's hands were finally healed. He's been able to do sorcery with them, but he hasn't been able to do surgery. So now he is balancing still being Sorcerer Supreme of the entire universe uh, at the same time as he's working at a hospital. I thought this was such a fun setup for a series, and I loved how they played it out. How'd you feel about it? I love it, too. I've been reading uh, Mark Waid's Doctor Strange for a while, and it's been so good. It's a title that we haven't talked about a ton, but just, like, Mark Waid is just such a master of comics at this point. And, like, he just out here telling these, like, shorter stories, like, one a lot of one-off issues that are just, like, 
perfectly crafted, really well made, interesting, a little bit different than other comics out there. And it's such a weird choice. It's sort of like antithetical to Doctor Strange to be like, oh, now he can do surgery. Um, But it really works, I feel like. Yeah, I also, again, I think this comes from Mark Wade knowing what he's doing and being so precise and calculated about things. Uh, but the fact that he very specifically says, I can't do sorcery for the surgery because that would go too wild. I wouldn't be able to concentrate. I'm just going to do this thing. I thought that was very smart to put that out of the first issue. I'm excited to see if they can keep it up because I feel like with titles like this, it often becomes like, okay, here's our very clear premise. He is a surgeon by day and a sorcerer by night. And then by the third issue is like, he's a sorcerer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, yeah, he's mostly doing surgery, but um, certain blood vessels are his kryptonite. And it's like, wow, what do you mean? What are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, again, I don't know. I'm a sucker for anything that feels like a TV pilot, but in comic book form, yeah. uh, but still leading into the actual 22 page length of the thing. And I think that's what they do here so well. Um, even if it's just a 12 issue run, even if they go back to status quo after that, I'm all on board. Dormammu is a dentist. Oh, no. That'll be fun. He's all and teeth, right? That's the line that's up and down his face? Well, that's what and I think his thing, he's, because he has so many teeth, he's always wanted to, like, understand them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's where we're going with this. Is, right. Uh, in the order whole to, medical profession. Yeah. In order to understand teeth, you must become them. That's 100% true. That's what uh, my dentist said to me. Yeah, your dentist is really, like, very poetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I always walk in and uh, to the to the nurse at the desk. I'm like, "What's up, mindless one?" And she loves it. Yeah, she's she's fun. That's yeah. Fun. A lot of people call her that. It's a horrible nickname. <laughs> There's a. I can't wait till we get all the like sort of uh, dermatologists, all the Marvel characters uh, in the Avengers becoming their their favorite uh, <laughs> doctor profession. <laughs> Uh, great. All right, let's move on to another image comic book, Criminal Number Eleven. This is part seven of the Avengers Endgame of criminal storylines that brings together pretty much every character that uh, they have put in almost every single criminal book. Um, here, as always happens, uh, a crew has been put together to rob a wrestling match. Things go horribly wrong. Uh, and then we follow up from there, man, every issue of this is just so good. So good. I mean, I don't know if for anyone out there isn't reading, um, these con- this sort of little universe off to the side, an image of the criminal universe. Um, I mean, we talk about it a lot. It's something to just just get in there at some point. I mean, even if you don't know all the characters uh, and the history that they've established, this is still a good story. It's still just a good, like, heist story. Yeah, and it is the sort of thing where, yes, you should read every issue, but you can jump in on any of them because you know what's happening. You know these stories. You know the general beats of it. What they're doing with this title is remixing it and diving deeper into the characters. The dialogue is so good. The narration is so good that it really is the sort of thing that you could just kind of pick up off the stands, get into it, then go back and read through if you really want to. Yeah. Um, and I want to say, because we always talk about how great the storytelling is, but the, this comic as a whole package, because mm-hmm. uh, after at the end of each issue, you get a little a couple pages of just Ed Brubaker talking about 
TV he's into, movies he's into, uh, the comics business in general, what he's coming out with. There's a discussion of some TV shows here in the back, then a really uh, heartfelt uh, page about the death of Tom Spurgeon, Mm -hmm. a comic uh, professional who died sort of suddenly recently. That's really just like touching and nice. And then it goes into every uh, issue at the end has uh, like a two-page sort of film criticism of a a famous noir, or not even famous, but a a noir movie from sometime in the last century. And it's and beautifully drawn art alongside that. It's just such a nice package, and it feels like a comic book community that you don't really get anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not, like, negative at all. It's all just, like, positive and, like, talking about the same, the things that were, that anyone who's reading this book might be interested in. Just like the criminal community, which is really tight and really pleasant. And I've been spending a lot of time in them and having a great time over the holidays here. Yeah. Uh, to live outside the law, you must be honest. It's what Bob <laughs> Dylan said once. My dentist also said that. Yes. Let's and move. your dentist is Bob Dylan. That's and the crazy part. It's nuts. He uh, just uh, is all teeth now. Yeah, the gum line, it is a changing, I believe he said. (laughs) Woo! All right, back to Marvel Comics. Enough of this indie stuff. Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham, Yeah, now this is comic books. Enough of that indie stuff. (laughs) Peter Porker, that's real Uh, So this is Zeb Wells bringing back Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham. It starts with, I believe, the actual origin pages of Peter Porker, which... Insane. True insanity. Totally insane. This is this is a piece of comics lore that I completely missed. And when uh, Into the Spider Verse came out, there's that line where you know they have their he Peter Parker. Uh, I think it's not Spider Gwen. It's Peter Parker, Spider Man Noir, and Penny Parker are all doing their origins at the same time. So I've watched that movie a bunch of different times, and it wasn't until my kids were like, "Wait." He was a spider bit by a pig And I was like, no, 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 that has to be wrong You absolutely have to be wrong about that That can't be right And we kept rewinding it and trying to listen to it Or rewinding it until I was like, that's crazy But that's the actual comic book origin of Peter Porker He was a spider bitten by a radioactive at May And gained, kept his spider powers But Mm -hmm. turned into a pig and also gained her intelligence because she was a super smart scientist in this dimension. So this is following up on that. It's also following up on Web Warriors that was canceled pretty recently. But it's basically just Peter Porker bragging to the rest of these animal heroes about how great he is because he's gone through other dimensions until we finally get the setup of him going into the real world at the end of the book. What do you think about this? Now, the the Peter Porker origin is, I just imagine, like, a bunch of uh, comic book people at the Marvel office in, like, the late 60s just, like, tripping balls, like, on acid being like, what if we did this? And they're like, yeah, Stan said it's cool. We can do it. And then that being what this character is. Yeah. so so this is I was like, oh okay, this is fun. But I gotta say, pound for pound, the number of animal puns oh my in God. this comic yes. is just legendary. Croctor Strange is maybe my fave. It's great. I mean it's very purposely dumb. It's a comedy book 
That's really all it's going for. Uh, but it, to your point, it works because the designs of the characters are great. They're very funny, and it just keeps going and going and going. A lot of them, I'm sure, have been set up throughout the history of Peter Porker. But even if you haven't read any of it before, it's still just a fun read. The place that it's going at the end is fun. Um, it doesn't necessarily feel timely just because Spider-Verse was a while ago, but it doesn't matter. It's a good, fun book. Yeah, uh, agreed. Very fun. Dear Devil, another favorite. Mooster, fantastic. Did you find oh. yourself trying to guess the puns before they got to them? Because exactly. Because that's what I was like, doing. Uh-huh. Just like see the animal and be like, ah, Black yeah. Colt. Did not see that coming. Nope. Last one we're going to talk about is Venom number 21. This is picking up after the end of Absolute Absolute Carnage. Yes? That sounds right. Okay. I momentarily confused it with Maximum Carnage in my head, which is something from way before my time because, again, I'm 19 years old. But Yes, you, know. you would never know anything. The 90s are just a punchline to you. Yeah. You're too Pogs, young and fresh. Flannel? Who cares? Uh, yeah. So anyway, this is picking up after that. Uh, at the end of it, Venom had killed Carnage, absorbed a little bit into his body, and he had saved the world, but also destroyed the world by bringing on Null, the god of the symbiotes, freeing him from his prison. So Null is slowly making his way over to Earth, while Venom is trying to bond with his son, with this issue, an extra complication gets thrown in, in that he almost gets recruited by the Avengers for his participation in saving the world. But Carnage is still in his body and in his mind and still wrecking havoc on him. Uh, I really like where this is going. I have never been a big Venom head, but Donnie Cates really has built this gigantic Uber story that keeps building and building and building it. I love it. Yeah, uh, me too. It's really, it's good. And it, this sort of has like all the superhero stuff of Venom. Because Venom lost the his symbiote, was taken away from him. Hmm. So he doesn't really have much going for him super heroically here. So Carnage coming back and being inside him uh, sort of re rejiggers everything. So it's Doesn't back to... Doesn't he have to, both? I think it's a combo Venom-Carnage is what happened at the end. Yeah, it looks like, that's. I think that's the way it ended. But I don't think he has the same access to his powers as he used to. Right. Um, and he knows about this threat. The most interesting thing is putting Eddie Brock in this position of making a, the quote-unquote selfish choice of like spending time with his son while he knows the world is, is coming to an end uh, at the same time. Like, that's cool. It's it's all a great setup. This is, relatively speaking, a smaller storyline than what's happened before, but it's so deeply tied to Venom continuity. It's really smartly written. It's emotionally written. Uh, and the art's great, too. This is Mark Baglia's on the art, right? Which is yeah. awesome to have him, as always, on a Spider-Man or Spider-Man-related title. So it's very cool. Yeah, to me, he's this when I was because uh, obviously I'm much older than you. I'm sort of a mentor to you, right? Um, as by the way, when are your off office hours again? Uh, yeah, you can come by anytime if uh, you get into this state school. Yeah, oh, I, we can't work together until you actually get in. Fingers so, crossed. I've been working on my football scholarship, so I think I'm gonna. You're gonna, think I'm gonna you're, do it. You're gonna crush it. And what are you? You're the you're a place kicker or quarterback? Or? Water boy. Waterboy, great. Yeah. yeah, they give out a lot of big money to the water boys. <laughs> uh, uh, I was a water boy before I became a water man. 
Mm, good movie, by the way. All right, we are going to wrap up here. If you would like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Excuse me. Uh, we're actually moving to 7 p.m. in the new yes. year, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, but every week free at the Pit Loft in New York City. Also, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. Uh, Twitter, at Comic Book Live. Also, check us out on Facebook. Uh, and we'll be back on a more regular schedule after the holidays. 2020, the year where we're finally going to be um, more glib. <laughs> we're getting more glib in 2020. <laughs> I'm going to be all teeth, I think. That's right, 100%. And I'm going to open up my uh, dermatology, my superhero dermatology practice. <laughs>